1: We think about the Christian experience. We try to wrap our minds around what God's grace is and what that means. And of course, we can intellectualize this. We can attribute to grace unmerited favor. We can try to think through what this means. And yet, I have to be honest with you, in the hmm, 40 years, I guess, now that I've been a Christian, as much as I think about grace and appreciate grace and experience grace and have it touch my life on a day-to-day basis, there's an aspect of grace that I don't understand, and that's probably a good thing, because there are aspects about grace that go so far beyond, I think, our ability to intellectualize it. This holy and righteous God— In front of whose eyes we have all sinned, as we're told in Romans 3 and 23, dead in our transgressions, and yet while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, God sent his only begotten son to die on our behalf, that through that substitutionary work on the cross, we might not only be saved and forgiven, but reconciled unto him and experience grace in our day-to-day lives. Brian Christopher has written a new book called Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, How Your Christian Life is Really Supposed to Work. Bob, by the way, is CEO of Basic Gospel and host of the daily call-in radio program of the same name, Basic Gospel. And Bob, thanks so much for being with us tonight.
2: Well, thank you, Craig. It's great to be with you. Looking forward to the time together.
1: It's an important topic, I think, because um, believers, I think, of of any stage in their walk with Christ need to be reminded of how incredible this grace is that God has shown toward us. And the totality of what it means is we see Christ as that bridge between death and life and, and what it means to be reconciled unto very God himself because of his grace for us. Um, I think ought to simply leave every Christian, again, no matter what stage they're at in their walk with Christ, ought to leave every Christian absolutely with their minds blown by this.
2: Oh, Craig, absolutely. Um, Most theologians, when they get to their later stages of life, and this has been through 2,000 years of church history, you know, when asked, you know, what is the most important subject uh, about Christianity? And they always choose the word grace, um, because even if they've been Christians for 50 years, 70 years, 80 years, they feel like they've just uh, scratched the surface. And and grace is one of these big words. I mean, Jesus Christ is full of truth and grace. Jesus Christ is grace itself in, in essence. And when you think how big Jesus is, that's when you start to get an idea of just how big this grace of God is and how powerful it is to make us alive together with Christ. So I think it's the most important subject, uh, most important word in the in the Bible, apart from Jesus Christ and, and the Word God itself.
1: Is it a word that we need to keep coming back to again and again and again? In other words, sometimes you, you hear some that might suggest that this grace is a one-time experience, that God showed His grace toward mankind uh, there at Calvary. We can uh, partake of that grace in our salvation experience, and then once, one, once it's done, it's done. Is, is it that way, Bob, or is it really an ongoing experience?
2: Well, it's an ongoing experience. I say in the book, you know, once grace gets started, it never ends. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite writers is D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And oh, yes. he said this, the Christian life starts with grace, it must continue with grace, and it ends with grace. Grace, wondrous grace. You never can get away from it. And as soon as you start getting away from, you know, the grace, grace of God... I find that's when things start to mess up. Um, I, I find that's when you know, I get anxious, I lose peace, I've, you know, I have this restlessness inside, but every time I circle back to the grace of God and get a fresh look at what that exactly means in, in my everyday life, things start to settle down and, and, and the peace of God that passes all understanding begins to fill up all the spaces in, in your mind. So I don't think we can ever get away from grace. I, I, I know most people and many folks uh, communicated as kind of first grade stuff, but really it is it is the foundation, it's the building, it's the roof, It's it's everything about this Christian life.
1: Your book title, uh, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, uh, might suggest that there's a simplicity to this. And I guess it's kind of interesting because it, it it it's simple to the degree that Scripture lays it out for us, and yet there's a level at which I don't know that we can ever really fully understand grace, can we?
2: No, I don't think we can fully under, understand it because it's it's really the essence of who Jesus is. And so we're ever going to be growing in our knowledge of, of Christ and growing in the grace of God and learning how this grace of God applies in, in everyday life. So it's a lifelong endeavor to grow in grace and then uh, you know, when we go to be with the Lord, when he comes back, when we all receive these resurrected bodies, we're going to stand as as testimonies to the grace of God throughout eternity. Uh, and boy, just when you think of that, then you realize just how powerful and how wonderful this grace really is.
1: Break it down in terms of, of understanding um what this means when we talk about grace, um, we say unmerited favor, and uh, people might think, "Well, you mean like when the when the judge uh, throws out my parking ticket when I really should have gotten it anyway?" Or <laughs> help us better understand that.
2: Okay, well, I think that's a really good question, and uh, you know, if if uh, you know, a judge throws out our parking ticket, or. Uh, a cop decides not to give us uh, a ticket when indeed we've been speeding. That's that's uh, on the mercy side of the equation. Um, so that's withholding from us what we justly deserve. Grace is giving to us what we do not deserve. Um, so grace is this very present, active word. In our lives. So, all of us, when we come into this world, we're dead in trespasses and sins. So, spiritual death is a big problem. We don't deserve life. There's nothing that we could do to merit life, there's nothing that we could do to bring it about for ourselves. So, God, in His grace, has to reach down to us, even though we were dead, and make us alive together with Christ. So, that's the first aspect of God's grace. It's You know, when you read that uh, passage, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's, It's a gift of God, not of ourselves. Well, the whole context of that passage is going from death to life, that God makes us alive together with Christ. That's grace. He gives us what we did not deserve. And then it's this life of Christ that sustains us, So we're always in his favor. Nothing can separate us from his love. Um, By his grace, he's forgiven us of all of our sins. By his grace, he teaches us to say no to sin and to live righteous, upright lives. By this grace, he builds us up. He encourages us. He gives us a brand new identity. He helps us through trials and tribulations uh, in life, and he works within us to bring about his purposes in our day-to-day experience. So grace touches every aspect of our lives. So I I like to say that most people think of grace as a word that covers the past, but actually it's a word that meets us at our point of need in in the present and moves us forward. So it's a forward-moving word uh, tied to Jesus Christ, his spirit living within us. Um, that's just how wonderful it is.
1: Bob Christopher with us tonight. We're looking at his latest book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, how your Christian life is really supposed to work. Uh, you might be a new believer in your faith and struggling through some of these questions, and, and uh, we want to encourage you to take the opportunity to get your questions answered. Maybe you've been in the, in the faith uh, walk for a lot of years, but there's still some things that you don't quite understand. A brief timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues
0: and now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts
1: welcome back to the conversation we're visiting with Bob Christopher the book Simple Gospel Simply Grace how your Christian life is really supposed to work Let's talk a bit about this concept that you were sharing earlier that I, I think is an amazing one, and it will help us perhaps understand a bit more about the breadth and depth of God's love for us. Um, you talked about grace and sort of the first part idea that we see it as withholding punishment. It's an idea of something that is being kept from us. So we get the speeding ticket, but the judge decides to let us go, even though he knows, we know, yes, we broke the law, yes, we are deserving of this punishment. But regardless, the judge shows his, quote-unquote, grace and keeps the punishment from us. But the grace of God goes so much further than that, as you were suggesting before the break, Bob, because it's not just a matter of God keeping a rightly deserved punishment from us, but then it's what he gives to us in and through that.
2: Oh, absolutely. It is, it is Christ himself living in us. Uh, I've defined God's grace as this: God's work in Jesus Christ to make us spiritually alive and to power, empower us to live in this world as His children. So we we can't do that on our own, and that's that's where I missed it for so long, Craig. I I was trying to live out the the Christian life with the old adage: "Try harder." Every time I fell on my face, I'd get up and make promises to God and you know, I would just give it my best shot, trying as hard as I could to live the Christian life. And the harder I, tr- I tried, the tighter sin's grip became in my life. And when I finally understood the grace of God as, as being more than merely a covering for the past, that's when the Christian life started to make sense. That's when I really discovered how it was supposed to work, Jesus Christ living his life in and through us. And I think that's what much of the Christian world misses as far as the Gospel message is concerned.
1: Well, let's elaborate on this point for a moment. You, you mentioned, and I think rightfully so, the, the problematic viewpoint, which unfortunately in, in modern-day pop Christianity seems to be more and more prevalent, this idea of Christianity being a, like a self-help program or self-improvement program. We hear this kind of nonsense preached from the pulpit of, of Joel Osteen. It sounds to me oftentimes like an Anthony Robbins seminar without walking on hot coals, and, and you have to pay a course, uh, or contribute to the uh, to the offering plate at some point during the service, but it it almost, well, it doesn't almost, it outright cheapens grace and, and turns what God is meaning to be this wonderful experience of, as you suggest, not just withholding punishment, but then giving to us. It, it really short circuits and robs us of the fullness of his grace when we see it as just this sort of self-help and help or self-improvement program.
2: Yeah that god doesn't want to make us better he wants to make dead people alive in christ i mean our our old way of life was empty uh, peter uh, really nailed it in his first letter when he said that life that was handed down to us from our moms and dads is nothing but an empty life uh you can slice it every way you you can and it still comes up empty So God sent Jesus to put an end to that old life and to raise us up with him so we could walk in the newness of life. And that newness of life is a life lived by grace through faith in Jesus. Um, And and we really have to learn to embrace that simplicity. And, And here's where the difficulty lies, Craig. Faith is a foreign concept to us until Christ comes in our lives. And then we start to discover what a life of faith is all about. So constantly from, you know, Genesis through Revelations, we see these reminders. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Those who put their confidence in the Lord, those who believe the Lord— that's the one thing that God is looking for from us, a heart that believes him. And in that faith, all kinds of incredible things happen in our day-to-day lives.
1: But why is it that so often, Bob, we wind up getting bogged down in fear and in guilt and it it, it becomes, I I think, of we see this every once in a while, some of these extreme sports programs on TV and you watch these guys going water rafting and all of a sudden they're heading down and they think they're having the grand old time and all of a sudden the the torment of the water overcomes the, the raft and overcomes them. They might find themselves suddenly out of control and running off the edge like you're about to head, you know, right over the, the edge of the, I don't know, uh, Niagara Falls or something, and, and suddenly you become absolutely overwhelmed by fear and guilt, just like the guys get overwhelmed by the torrent of water when they get out of control. How, how, do, you, how do you go about extracting yourself from that when the flow of the current is so fast?
2: Well, Craig, that's a great, uh, that's a great point, and, and boy, a beautiful an- analogy there as far as fear in our lives. Um, you know, fear has to do with punishment. That's how John connected it in his, his first letter, and he says, perfect love casts away that fear. And if we're really going to grow in grace and embrace this new life that we have in Christ, we first have to settle that forgiveness issue. We have to recognize that the blood of Jesus actually did take away our sins once and for all. Um, that is, I think, one of the most critical truths that, that we need to latch onto and really take our stand upon. And that's the fact that when we receive Christ, we receive forgiveness of sins. Um, Paul said it twice, once in his book to the Ephesians, once in his letter to Colossians, that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the question is, are you in Christ? And if you answer yes, then you can ask, well, what do you have according to these passages? Well, it says redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the question that follows that is, do you really believe it? Do you really believe that right now at this very moment you have forgiveness of sins and that becomes the real issue if I struggle right there that's when fear can take hold of my life.
1: And we're going to pause on that point. When we come back, I want you to share with our listeners the uh, uh, Binaca story. I think it'll, it'll paint a nice picture that will ideally illustrate the challenge here, particularly in that sense where sometimes we struggle with the notion that His grace is insufficient for us because we see ourselves as being unworthy and unlovable and there's nothing worse when we end up getting caught. We'll come back to more of the conversation with Bob Christopher as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Simple Gospel, Simply Grace. Bob Christopher, my guest on this segment of Lifeline and uh, Bob, as we talk about the struggles that you often have with this notion of uh, feeling unworthy, unlovable, sometimes uh, just feeling uncomfortable with the fact that we feel this sense of fear and guilt, uh, you've got a great story in the book about uh, your experience as a young man uh, with um, Banaka, which I have to be honest with you, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, I remember that. I didn't even realize they still made it. <laughs> but tell us a bit about that story. I think it, it ideally helps illustrate this point.
2: Well, well, Craig, it, it was... Uh an experience in seventh or eighth grade, I got involved in a shoplifting gang, and we would go into drugstores, and, and we would just steal things, things that we didn't need. And one of those things that we stole quite often uh, was this little breath freshener spray called Banaka Well, one night, uh, Friday night, I spent the night with my friend David, and we went out and went to one of those stores, and we stole some Banaka and we stole a lock. Why? It just for the challenge of it, I guess. And uh, so we came back home, and you know, I went home the next day. And as as things would have it, David's mom went into his room and started cleaning up, and he and, and she found the lock, and she asked David, uh, "Where'd you get this?" And uh, he said, "Well, we stole it." And you know, he just he just he just caved like any person would and uh you know, as moms do. Um, you know, she dug a little deeper and, and David told the whole story about, you know, Bob actually stole it and we got Banaka too and so she uh, you know, tried to figure out what to do and then she picked up the phone and called my mom and uh that next Monday I was delivering papers. Uh I had skipped out on my band band rehearsal. I was a truant, so, you know, I'm a thief and a truant, and, uh, you know, mom's not real pleased with me, and, uh, she says, get in the car, and I'm like, no, it's a beautiful day, and finally she says, banaca, and I was just done. I unraveled <laughs> right then and there, and knew I had been caught, and, you know, I could just imagine the punishment that was coming my way, and, uh, mom and dad decided they were going to take me back to every store that I had stolen something from, and I was going to get in front of the manager and confess what I had done, and they were going to leave my punishment in these managers' hands. And fortunately for me, they were lenient and just required that I pay back, uh, pay them the money for the things that I, I stole, which I did. Um, but that didn't relieve my guilt because I knew you know, my sin held something with God. And at that point, I just walked on eggshells wondering what God was going to do with me. I knew punishment was just around the corner. And that fear just overcame me in such a way that every time I sinned, I felt Jesus left me. And so I had this formula, I'd confess, I would, would, would ask God to forgive, and then I would ask Christ to come back in my life. And I probably prayed 500 different times during my teenage years for Jesus to come back and live in my life, because I didn't know what he had actually accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. And finally, I went to a Bible study, and the teacher started explaining Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead and your trans- transpasses and sins, he made you alive together with Christ. He forgave all your sins. And that forgiveness just poured over me, just washed over me, and finally I rested in the finished work of Jesus. And that fear of punishment went away because I knew Jesus had taken my punishment for me. And in exchange for that, he gave me his righteousness. That's a pretty good deal. That's what grace is all about, God giving to us what we do not deserve. But because he loves us so much, he was willing to send Jesus to take our punishment for us so that we could stand in his presence as righteous as Jesus Christ himself.
1: Let's get to some calls. We're going to head over to uh, Lee in Palo Alto. Lee, come on in with your comment or question for Bob Christopher.
3: Well, that Banaka story was wonderful. I think uh, probably a lot of people could identify with it. I sure could. I remember beating myself up for years. But one thing that I wanted to ask, and I don't know how to ask it without sounding kind of like uh, expecting too much um, or or putting a demand on God, which would be like a sin in of itself. Uh, but my question would be, when you know you're forgiven, when you know that it's finished, how do you um, somehow experience God's grace, no, and not like the everyday grace where we have our health, we have the sun, we have our needs and whatever. But God's unmerited favor on a day-to-day basis, with Him actually walking with us. Um, I, I don't know if I asked that right. I just yeah. I'm not talking well, about the I am I'm
2: following what you're saying there, uh, Lee, as as far as how we experience the grace of God. I think the first way we experience it is 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 by resting in his finished work. You know, mo- most of us are, are tense inside, we're anxious inside, because we're not sure if God really loves us or not, or if God has forgiven us or not. And when we finally come to that point and recognize that the work has been finished, we experience this sense of rest. Uh, inside of us. So that's the first way we experience it. And then we experience it um, by the Word of God becoming strong in our lives and and us learning to say no to the temptations uh, of of this world and the temptations of sin. We recognize that what the world has to offer is just empty. And so I think we see a, a sense of victory in our lives as far as the world is concerned, and then I think the third way that we experience the grace of God is, is by really getting to know the heart of the Father and learning to see the world through his eyes and people through his eyes. And we get so caught up on, you know, in morality and trying to make the world a better place, but God sees people's hearts. And he, and he sees people in one of two ways. You either belong to him or you're still lost and dead in sin. And when we see it from God's perspective, then our hearts start to melt and we want to reach out with that gospel message. So the the grace just gives us, um, I I think, deeper insight into the very heart uh, of of God the Father and what his love is all about for this world and the people that we shoulder uh, with every single day of our lives. Does that help, Lee?
3: Yeah, it does. It helps greatly. I I remember in the Old Testament where you had these people that poured out their hearts to God, like Hannah, who couldn't have the child, and and when she was in the temple with Eli, and and she just poured out her heart, and and God gave her the grace of answering that prayer. And I think the third one, because I I know in my case I, I know I'm saved, and i'm in the bible often and around other believers but i want to see the 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 holy spirit type um uh how could i put it like answer to prayer more than just in in our area maybe it's just this area it seems like there's a lot of christians but we're kind of impotent
2: well i think you're I think you're right because um you know, our greatest asset, as far as believers are concerned, is is a knowledge of God. We really know what God is like, because Jesus Christ has has made that known to us. You know, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. And so as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, and as we grow in our knowledge of who he is, I think we're going to see our hearts melt toward the world in a way that we want to reach out and, and connect those people to the love of Christ just as we have been connected to the love of Christ. So just uh, just make it your prayer that, Lord, I want to grow in your grace. I want to grow in, in the knowledge of who you are, and I guarantee you that's a prayer he will answer, and you will see that being answered in time.
3: Very
1: helpful. All right. We appreciate your call tonight, Lee. I guess part of this, too, is, is is the ongoing struggle that we have with the flesh, Bob. Um, we, we, at a level, because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, recognize that we are in need of, of forgiveness. Uh, we recognize that we have sinned and offended a holy and righteous God. And, and yet it's difficult for us sometimes, once having had His grace extended to us, to fully accept that, embrace that, and I guess at certain levels, um, even learn uh, the concept of forgiving ourselves as much as God has forgiven us. I, I got a kick in your book. You make reference in this. I think shows the the level at which mankind struggles with this. That Stanford University here in our backyard actually has something they call the Forgiveness Project.
2: Yes, yes, they do, and, and they're trying to figure out. If forgiveness is really an essential part of, of well-being and health and uh, you know normal relationships and they're discovering that that's that that's the case um, but but they spend a lot of time on this idea of forgiving ourselves and, and it's interesting when you when you scour the word of God there, there's no place there where God says you need to forgive yourself. What he does say is, stand firmly in the forgiveness that I've given you in Christ. And when you recognize that, then you're able to let go of the past. You're able to let go of those things that you've been dragging around in life for years and years and years. So when when we stand firmly in what Christ has accomplished, that's when we can really Forgive ourselves and let go of the past and fully embrace um, the resurrected Christ here and now.
1: Bob, we sure appreciate the time and the book, Simple Gospel, Simply Grace, how your Christian life is really supposed to work. The new book, by the way, published by Harvest House and available at Christian bookstores throughout the Bay Area as well as through Amazon.com and Bob's website too, simplegospelsimplygrace.com. And there again is Bob Christopher, host of the call-in radio program Basic Gospel.
2: O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go
1: by. Yes, indeed they do. And of course, as we mark the beginning of the holiday season here, and most importantly, the um, special observance of Christmas for believers across the world. Once again, for many Bay Area folks, it wouldn't be Christmas without Bethlehem A.D. Now in its 26th year, and joining me is the creative director of Bethlehem A.D., Paula Dresden. And Paul, as always, uh, a very Merry Christmas to you.
4: Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me share about Bethlehem AD on your show.
1: This is an amazing experience, and I'm I'm just thinking back over all the years. So we've been on the air 29 years, and I think we've done this just about uh, 24 or 25 of the 26 years that Bethlehem AD has been in existence. And of course, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, Paula, this has really become for so many a family tradition, and what a wonderful way to enter into the full spirit of the Christmas season than to do it with Bethlehem A.D. But for folks that are new, don't know anything about it, tell us a bit about the about the concept behind Bethlehem A.D.
4: Well, Bethlehem A.D. Uh, tells the story of the first Christmas, and we do it as a gift to the Bay Area. It's totally free. And um, what we do is create the town of Bethlehem with all the different aspects. You see uh, centurion Romans and village people and folk dancers and such like that and uh, the guest enters in and sees all this chaos sort of like our world today and then they are it it all concludes at the manger where um, angels are giving glory to God and praising him for the Savior being born that night and the guest leaves making their own conclusions about what Christmas is all about which makes it user friendly for people who don't know the Lord and um, you know so I, it's been successful. And,
1: and, of course, as you mentioned, it, re- it really gives people a sense of the, the reality of Christmas. Um, the, the Christmas story is one, of course, that happened many, many, many years ago. And yet you have been able to come together and really, in in a sense, recreate this. And as much as we've seen it... On television or at the movies or read it in stories, literally, you bring Bethlehem AD to life. Tell us about all of the inner workings. This has got to take months and months and months of preparation and untold numbers of volunteers.
4: Well, it does take a lot of preparation and a lot of volunteers. Everyone works for free, uh, including myself. So uh, each year it's Uh, A task for me to try and find new people to fill in others, you know, move on and do other things. And so we're always looking for creative people to come in and give us a hand and also just to come up with ideas.
1: This year's Bethlehem AD will run December 21, 22, and 23 nightly from 6 until 9.30 p.m., rain or shine. Walk us through the experience, if you would. Folks that come down into uh, downtown um, Redwood City there at uh, 1305 Middlefield Road will be in for quite a surprise. Um, realism has been sort of the watchword for what you've done down through the years. So uh, kind of walk us through what the experience looks like, Paula.
4: Well, okay. Now, the first thing that they'll see is a large crowd. They'll see um, Starcracker lights that shows you where the spot of Bethlehem is. And um, they can be directed when they come to a parking lot. Kaiser Permanente uh, has let us use their parking garage, and we have uh shuttles going back and forth. It's uh, it's very quick, but it it allows for parking in downtown Redwood City. And then the next thing they'll encounter is probably a long line. And the line we know is long because we only want uh, uh, to allow a, uh, you know a, a few people. Well, no, I shouldn't say few, but as many people as the village can allow for the visitors to have a good time. So the um, the line does get kind of long, but we totally entertain at the line. So you'll see on the line centurions marching back and forth. You'll see animals going up and down, led on leads. And you'll see Herod the Great, who um, is trying to find this king, who never does find him, who wants to kill him if he does find him. So that's nice, and he has an entourage of um, dancers around him. And uh, we'll have children in a chain gang who's um, who have been captured in um, in Germania or something like that, and are being taken down to Rome to be sold as slaves. That's one of the things we got going up there. And let's see, all greeters and people just going, you know, saying hello, gr- greeting people. So then, once you get inside Bethlehem, you'll see um, tax collectors. We oh, we give coins to everybody to give to the tax collectors. Everything's free. So they give their little gold coin to the tax collector and then they come on in and um, they give their signature to the census taker and they'll encounter now the marketplace. And we have uh, a potter actually making pottery there. We have kids in the marketplace making uh, metal jewelry that they wear. Then we have a bakery. They're baking bread in the bakery, and then we have a marketplace with vegetables and fruits and stuff, and we're also going to add a spice market this year, so that'll be kind of interesting. And the kids um, are in tribes, they have little roles to do, and they will uh, give you maybe a nut to taste or something like that. Also, we have a a synagogue where um, there's rabbis debating about who this Messiah could be, so how could the Messiah... He's sleeping. He's supposed to never sleep nor slumber. So they're debating whether this is the real one, and that's interesting. They're reading scripture, and the kids are in also in the synagogue, um, learning some Hebrew words and stuff like that. And well, then you'll see folk dancers and people cooking over the fires because the cast eats their dinner at Bethlehem. So you'll be seeing people eating and so forth. And then there's this huge area we have for the animals, and so you'll visit. Oh, I forgot the inn. The inn is an exciting area where there's interaction and talk about there's just no room and what happened to Mary and Joseph. They had to send them down the road to the to a stable. And um, then you encounter a lot of animals. We have about 150 animals, including chickens and rabbits, but um, the total. And the visitors go by and they can pet the animals and visit with them and so forth. And then finally they reach the... Um, the manger where we have angels dancing and um, they are choreographed in their dance. They dance for three and a half hours straight with no break. And so it's really quite beautiful. The church across the street, uh, angels are on the roof and those are kind of like what we call our warrior angels and they're doing warrior kind of positions. So the whole thing is just kind of a
1: experience. It, it's really quite quite spectacular, and again, many folks across the Bay Area use this as a great way to officially launch the start of their Christmas. Again, running December 21st, 22nd, 23rd, from 6 to 9.30 p.m. each evening, rain or sign. There's no cost. You can get more information by going to BethlehemAD.com. That's BethlehemAD.com. Literally, Bethlehem comes to life in the middle of downtown Redwood City. Look for the searchlights. Make it a part of your Christmas holiday season as well. Bethlehem AD, now in its 26th year. Information again on the web at BethlehemAD.com. Mark the dates, December 21, 22, and 23 from 6 to 9.30 p.m. nightly. And our thanks to Paula Dresden, creative director with Bethlehem A.D., and we wish you much continued success with this year's event, Paula, and a very Merry Christmas to you.
4: Well, thank you, Craig. Thanks so much.
2: Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep